Watson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I am slowly, slowly but surely, starting to figure things out. Slowly. You know what I've realized over the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, doing sports radio with, with no sports? I've started to realize I can kind of talk about whatever I want. We don't really have any rules. And sure, if there's breaking news, we'll talk about it. We'll discuss it. But by and large right now, there are no rules. We can kind of talk about whatever we want to talk about. We've been watching old Packer games. We've been arguing how valuable Craig Council is. Yesterday, we were listing off our favorite Packers of all time. There aren't really any rules right now as we wait for sports to come back. So today, I'm I'm just going to embrace it. I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about. We haven't talked about college football in a while. And there's no huge news, no huge topic with college football right now. And you know what? I don't really care. I want to talk about college football. That sounds fun. And in 2020, possibly the most miserable year in recent memory, I, I think we should just try to have more fun. So that's what we're going to do today. My name is Grant Bills. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. If you want to chime in at any point, don't wait for an invite. Don't wait for an invitation. Just jump in. 608 796 2558. That's the five star telecom talking text line. Twitter is always wide open as well at Keystroker Grant, or you can find us all at WKTY. Reach out. I'd love to have a conversation. I want to talk about college football today, and we're going to talk about the Badgers. We're going to talk about SEC and AC. Well, we're really going to talk about all of college football as a whole. I have a couple topics I want to get to. Boomer Esiason said some crazy stuff. He's got kind of a conspiracy theory hot take that I just, first of all, want to appreciate because it's an awesome theory that he's come up with about coaches in the ACC and the SEC. That's coming up at 5.30. I want to talk about Madison and the Badgers coming up in about 10 minutes. But first, we got to talk about the Hawkeyes. We got to talk about Iowa, team to the south. And I know we have listeners who are Hawkeye fans. The program director of this station, veteran newsman, Scott Robert Shaw. An Iowa man himself, fan of the Hawkeyes. A lot of, lot of Hawks fans around here in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and of course, in Iowa. We were going to talk about this yesterday, and our conversation with Ebo went a little long, and then we ended up ranting about Jamal Williams and running backs. We didn't get a chance to get to it. But actually, a couple of days ago, a pretty big story broke. And if 2020 wasn't being all 2020 with a pandemic and with a crazy news story every other hour, then this story would be a lot bigger deal, but it's kind of got pushed to the side. A big expose, a big exposing article was released by Adam Rittenberg, who's a writer for ESPN, detailing the struggle and the issues that Akram Wadley, the running back, remember him? Went to Iowa. I think he graduated two years ago. His struggles and his mistreatment and his issues during his time playing football for Coach Ferentz and for the University of Iowa. So Iowa fans, here we go. We're, talk, we're talking Hawkeye football. We normally talk Badgers. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of Gophers. We'll bring up Michigan and Ohio State when they're on the schedule. But Iowa, we never really talk about. So today is that day. Hawks fans, I want to hear from you. Shoot me a text, 608-796-2558. Because some of these allegations are, I don't know what to think of them. Because Iowa is about as respected as respected gets. Everybody loves Kirk Ferentz, except sometimes it seems like Iowa fans. 
Sometimes I get the impression that Iowa fans are sick of Kirk Ferentz, but everybody else loves him, respects him, puts a lot of players into the NFL, provides opportunities for a lot of really, really good players. We talked about it yesterday. Desmond King, Micah Hyde, Mike Daniels, uh, um, George Kittle, all mid-round picks who have gone on to be some of the best players at their position at the next level. And that's why I was so surprised to see some of these comments and accusations from Akram Wadley about Iowa. I want to share some of this with you. And I, and I don't want to get any of these facts or details wrong, so I'm, I'm going to not read word for word, but follow along with some of these quotations and reports that were reported by Adam Rittenberg and quoted by Akram Wadley and other Iowa players. So Wadley alleges that Brian Ferentz, who's Kirk Ferentz's son, and he's been an assistant now for about a decade, apparently Brian Ferentz asked Wadley if he planned on robbing a liquor store or a gas station. And he would ask him this whenever he saw Wadley wearing the, the wool cap, right? Players, It's cold in Iowa, man. Like, players give out uh, a baseball cap. I'm sure they give out a, a stocking cap, a knit cap, which is what we're talking about here. I'm sure players are given a lot of stuff. And apparently, any time that Akram Wadley would wear this hat, Brian Ferentz, the head coach's son, would ask, hey, man, you going to rob a liquor store? I'll have to rob a gas station? He also alleges uh, that Iowa targeted himself, Akram Wadley, and other players for not gaining enough weight during the season, which led some of these players to become binge eaters, and they would ultimately end up getting sick during workouts or in their free time because they're trying to pack on the pounds. Here's a quote from Akram Wadley. I was threatened by Kirk Ferentz that my meal card would be taken away, and I will not eat nor be able to sit with my teammates during eating sessions. He did follow through on this threat. I went to use my meal card and it was declined. I had to call my mother from New Jersey at 10 or 11 at night because I was hungry to order Domino's pizza. Or I would have to go to a fan's house earlier in the night because there was no way I was going to be able to make it through the next day without vomiting, being weak, and I wouldn't be able to make it through school and practice. Of everything that's being reported, why do I not buy that detail? I'm not, I'm not saying that Akram Wadley is lying about Kirk Ferentz getting on him for not putting on weight and maybe being abusive, but you're telling me Akram Wadley plays Division I football for Iowa and is a star in the Big Ten, had to call his mom so she could buy him a Domino's pizza? Look, I understand Division I athletes come from all backgrounds, all economic statuses, but Division I football players are given a living stipend. They're, giving, they're, they're given money for food and, and shelter expenses, and a lot of these players live in school-sanctioned apartments, which are cheaper, so a lot of that money they just get to hold on to. So, like, I'm not trying to discredit Akram Wadley here, but I don't at all really buy that his response to getting his meal plan canceled, which is wrong, like, you really had to call your mom? I don't know. I don't know if I buy into that. Maybe there's something I don't know, but that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. But Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz making discriminatory comments, cutting off, Meal plans from Akram Wadley and some of his black teammates because they couldn't put on body fat like, I don't know, a Midwestern offensive lineman who is white would be able to. A little bit of a difference. Continuing. Akram Wadley writes that he asked Broderick Bins, Iowa Director of Player Personal Player Development, to help find him a therapist. Quote, because no one in the football program would help us or listen to what we had to say. After meeting with the therapist once, Akram Wadley wrote, and here's another quote, she disappeared. No one told me where she went, and no one was put in her place after that. I didn't ask too many questions because we would get punished for anything and everything. This is the final quote of the article, and this is the most damning part. 
My time at Iowa has done things that I'm not going to discuss because knowing how these people treated me and other black athletes, I'm done giving them power over me. But if I could do it all again, I wish I never played for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I would not encourage any future athletes or parents to send their kid to go play for the Hawkeyes under that coaching staff. That's really, really, really damning. Because most alumni of colleges, athletes or not, they'll stand by their school even in times of trial. Right? Like people who graduate UWL, when Joe Gow says something that doesn't play over well or there's some administrative mishap, mo- most people will stand by their school. Like that's a, a weird kind of loyalty that most people have when they go to college. I don't know what it is. They're just very loyal to their alma mater. And Akram Wadley's like, you know what? I wish I never would have gone there. And not only that, but hey, kids, don't go play at Iowa. And parents, don't send your kids there. That's really, really damning for one of the most respected programs in the country and for one of the most respected coaches in the country, except by Hawkeye fans, who I get the impression all the time that Hawkeye fans are a little bit worn out with Kirk Ferentz. This is wild. And it's going to get lost in the shuffle of 2020. This is almost, almost beginning to feel like a class action lawsuit because there's a sports advisory firm that's helping gather some of these Iowa players who've had the same experience and they're helping them share their experience, meaning they're, they're going to get some kind of compensation. They're going to get something. It almost feels like a class action lawsuit. Have you or someone you loved been abused or mistreated at the Iowa football program? Like, that's how it's beginning to feel. Kirk Ferentz has as much respect as any college coach in the country not named Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, or Ed Orgeron. But this just doesn't add up. And yeah, I was investigating, blah, blah, blah. All, of course, they're going through the steps, the proper steps, investigation, or bringing in someone independent. Yeah, we know the drill. We've seen this a bunch of times. But something I never would have expected. Never would have expected. Interesting. We'll, we'll see what becomes of this. Kirk Ferentz has been there a long time. Long time. It's weird because if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, and we weren't without sports, and we weren't going through a, really just a rocky time in our country, to put it briefly... This would be a huge story. And like this dropped on Friday and everybody on social media kind of went, whoa, and nobody's talked about it since. I wanted to discuss it yesterday, but it's interesting and something I wanted to touch on because I know we have a lot of Hawkeye fans in not only this part of Wisconsin and in Minnesota, but obviously to the south in Iowa as well. We'll see what becomes of this. I don't know. What are they going to fire? Kirk Ferentz? I don't know. We'll have to see how this plays out. I could see this going any number of ways. I Look, one player should not be able to turn over the entire apple cart. Some individuals just don't get along, right? If I go to UWL and I have a bad experience with one professor, yeah, maybe that professor is subject to discipline or maybe there need to be some changes made. But a lot of times, I just we just got to go our separate ways, right? It's just a personal thing. But this feels like it could be bigger. Feels like it could be bigger. We'll see what comes out of this. I want to talk about the Badgers and what's going on in Madison and why I have a lot of hesitance, why I'm very worried to get optimistic that this college football season is going to happen. We'll discuss that next, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. My name is Grant Bills. Do not forget, coming up this Friday, as we start the 4th of July weekend, don't forget... As you get a couple of days off and get to be patriotic, shoot off some fireworks, that we're starting a giveaway on Friday morning. We're giving away a family four-pack of tickets to the Lacrosse Speedway. 
And it's in the Lawn Keepers Party Deck. So you get food, you get drink. It's a sweet deal, and it's really easy to sign up. So starting Friday morning, that's going to go live on our website, WKTYsports.com. That's a good activity to stay outside, stay in the fresh air, but still, I don't know, do something, right? And not be cooped up in your house. That giveaway goes live Friday morning. So get ready, get signed up uh, as soon as you can. We're talking about college football Really, just for no reason. I want to talk about college football today. I want to do something different. I miss the NBA. I miss Major League Baseball. I miss the NFL, of course. But college football is different and unique. It's got its own feel. It's got its own vibe. I miss Major League Baseball because I miss going to Miller Park, hearing Bob Euchre, watching a Sunday afternoon game after church and after eating lunch. Like, Just as important as sport and sports themselves is the activities and the memories we make while watching sports. That's what I have connected to baseball. For the NFL, right, it's intense. Noon to 10.30, every Sunday I'm locked into a TV, right? I'm scrolling through fantasy football. I'm checking Twitter. I'm watching the Packer game, taking notes, getting ready for Monday's show. It's very intense, but it's awesome because there's only 16 games and you got to enjoy it while you can. The NBA is a blast as well, but college football is different. Saturdays in the fall, right? As days start to get shorter, you don't have time to go outside and do stuff after work during the week. So Saturdays become really, really important. And fall Saturdays, let's be real, they are beautiful. I used to run cross-country in high school. And parents or cross-country runners who are listening, going to a Saturday morning cross-country meet in early October, nothing like it. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's the best time of the year. And that's when the college football games are played. And by the end of the year, when it gets cold and dark, well, then you're into the good matchups. Rivalry weekend after Thanksgiving and bowl games. College football is awesome, and I miss it. But I'm really concerned... The college football is just not going to happen this fall. The NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, yeah, they, they all have lots of motivation to play. Really, the big one is money. College football has those same motivations, right? Makes a ton of money, and, they, and the NCAA just lost a bunch missing out on March Madness, too. But even with the motivation of the almighty dollar, I, they, might have too, they might have too many problems compared to the other American sports, baseball football, basketball. There's some really problematic issues with college football. First of all, it's very regional. So imagine Boise State versus Florida State right now. Central Florida is getting nailed. Huge numbers of daily new coronavirus cases. What about Boise State and Idaho? Like, it's just a different world. And that's what's making this pandemic different on our country and difficult on our country is we have so many different people from so many different walks of life in so many different geographical locations. We got people in the mountains, in the swamps, on the coast, in the, in the Midwest. It's really hard to get people on the same page. And there's college football teams everywhere. For example, Michigan today started rolling things back. They said, we're going to close indoor bars. It made me laugh. They're going to allow to-go cocktails. What? So Michigan, home to a lot of big programs, not just Michigan and Michigan, but state, but Western and Central Michigan as well, they're starting to roll protections back in. Whereas what about teams in Wyoming and in Boise? Not as big of an issue. That's problematic. Some schools are making their players sign waivers, and that's been misconstrued. I think a lot of people have read about these waivers, and they've misinterpreted as the schools trying to cover their butts in case an athlete should get coronavirus. Really, the waivers, at least the way I read it with Ohio State and the Buckeye Pledge, That waiver is designed to keep students on track following the rules, right? The the students sign it pledging, I'm going to stay away from parties, going to stay out of the bars. 
I'm going to protect my teammates, protect my coaches. Not about Ohio State covering its butt. The Ivy League today, it was reported by Sports Illustrated that the Ivy League might do a spring season. They might just forego the college football season together this fall and just do a seven-game in-conference season in the spring. So you got all these different conferences and teams and states on all different pages. And then Sports Illustrated comes out with an article suggesting, you know what, we should do conference realignment this year, which of course is impossible, but it's an interesting idea. Bill Michaels talked about it yesterday. Sports Illustrated had the Badgers as a part of the Great Midwest Conference with Central Michigan, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, Minnesota, Nebraska, NDSU, Western Michigan. That would be the Badgers Conference. Which is problematic because there's lots of different levels of teams in there. Yeah, location-wise it makes sense. Geographically it makes sense. But level of competition, it never happened. I mean, Kansas isn't going <laughs> to Kansas isn't going to win games in any conference, so that really doesn't matter. There's so many issues. So many issues. State by state, conference by conference, team by team. But what about Madison, specifically, where the Badgers play? Well, I asked Ebo about it yesterday because he is in Madison. And the zone, everybody at that station is very connected with the Wisconsin Athletic Department, football, basketball. And I said, what's the vibe right now in Madison when you bring up the possibility of football in the fall? Oh, God, you got to go there, don't you, Grant? (laughs) No, great, uh... Uh, what is the vibe? The vibe is it's kind of like a wait and see approach right now. It's uh, it's the great unknown, you know. If uh, if Barry Alvarez had the answer, he'd give us the answer. And if he did have the answer, I think he would be in, in the White House, like giving press conferences to everyone of what they're gonna do. Somebody should uh, be, yeah. But dude, it's um, I don't know, man. Right now, it's uh, are we gonna have football? I I hope so. I think so. Uh, but I'm trying to be an optimistic about it. You know, it's. With the whole limit of capacity and, you know, obviously you see the cases going up and the, hey, it's, I want to be hopeful. I want to say yes, but also there's some doubt in me. But right now, Grant, if anything, I think we'll see hopefully a half full Camp Randall. What it's going to be like downtown on Regent Street with the bars, I'm uh, maybe half full. I'm not sure. I'll remain, I'll be, to quote Mike McCarthy, I am the captain of hope. And I will say that we will have football and you will have at least half capacity in there. I'm all for being hopeful, right? I'm all for being optimistic, but I also want to be realistic. And Madison is experiencing the same thing that lacrosse is currently experiencing, just on a bigger scale, right? People started to go back to the bars and that got the ball rolling. That was the first wave of infections in 20-year-olds. Now, those 20-year-olds, hopefully by and large, have stopped going to the bars like we've seen in lacrosse. But now those 20-year-olds have given it to another round of people, another round of people, and on and on and on it goes. Dane County might try to make masks mandatory. They announced earlier today, public health of Madison and Dane County. But you're going to have two issues, two huge issues. Number one, you're not going to be able to enforce it. What are you going to do? Like have cops on the street corners running down people without masks on? That seems almost counterproductive. So it's impossible to enforce. And the legality is questionable because if the county in Dane County, says, hey, masks are mandatory. Nobody goes into bars. Well, now the Tavern League is going to sue you. And if in a couple of months it comes out that, well, the science really didn't support masks or the science didn't support the closing of bars, now you're SOL because the Tavern League is going to wax you for a bunch of money. Legality and enforceability, two huge issues to any countywide or statewide order as we found out when the Supreme Court struck it down months ago. Now, Dane County today responded with what they're calling order number seven 
which is, I don't know where that number seven came from, but it's basically reopening in reverse, right? All indoor gatherings are permitted, but 10 or fewer people, not including employees. Outdoor gatherings, only 25 people. Restaurants, indoor dining is back down to 25%. Bars may provide takeout, but nobody can come inside and outdoor seating only with physical distancing. So they're reclosing. They're reversing track. Meanwhile, Milwaukee is moving on to phase four of reopening. This is why everything's a mess is because you got counties and cities and states and the federal government all trying to do their thing and nobody's doing a damn thing. Another problem that the return of college football is facing. Here's what I don't get. Speaking about Madison, you're really going to risk your, like you're going to risk your health to go to the bars in Madison. The bars in Madison stink. Okay. And I, and I'm talking to friends here in lacrosse. You guys, you guys will appreciate this. You're going to wait in line for an hour at the college club or the W to get COVID. I wouldn't wait in line for five minutes, even if there wasn't a pandemic in Madison. You got people wrapped around the block on Regent Street waiting to get inside. Third Street is so much better than State Street and Regent Street. I will die on that hill. I will die on that hill. So first of all, I don't think the Madison bars are that great anyways. I just had to get that jab in there. That's not that important. Here's the problem that Madison will face is this is only going to get worse come August and September because students aren't even back yet. You're going to have thousands, tens of thousands of students returning to a very, very concentrated area. And the problem that Madison is seeing right now is only going to get exponentially bigger when students return. That's why college sports is it's going to be the most challenging of all sports. To get it going again. You're seeing outbreaks in 20-year-olds here in La Crosse and in Madison before school even begins. Once college begins, you're going to have mass gatherings. You're going to have parties. You're going to have classes. And students, especially at Madison, are going to be coming from all over the state and all over the country. Which is, that's exactly what you don't want. You want people staying where they are. You don't want them traveling from city to city, state to state. That's what we're trying to avoid. And mass gatherings and parties and classes on top of students coming from all over the country, that's double jeopardy. That's going to be a mess. It's going to be an absolute mess. And of course, Dane County can't do anything about it because they can't enforce it. And they're going to run into legal issues with the Tavern League and with these businesses downtown that are going to be run out of business if they can't have anybody in there. Let me explain it this way. I don't believe Major League Baseball is going to get off the ground. I don't think the restart's going to go well. There's no bubble. They're just starting things normally. Yeah, they're not going to have fans in the stands, but Major League Soccer tried to restart today, and they already have infections in their bubble. And I don't care if you're a soccer fan or not. That's not important. The point is they're trying to do what basketball is going to try to do in a month, and it's going poorly. And Major League Baseball isn't even taking precautions to that level. There's no bubble in the Major League. I don't think it's going to work. And there's no bubble in college football either. But on top of that, not having a bubble. You're going to add in thousands of other students and professors and you're going to have them partying and living in dorms and living in big apartment buildings. No, it's not going to work. It's not going to, it's not going to work. And there's nothing Dane County can do about it. I don't think there's anything that the University of Wisconsin and Madison can do about it. It's a mess. College sports is, it presents challenges at every level. Coronavirus and college sports, it's a nightmare matchup. It's a nightmare matchup. When we come back, I want to continue to talk about college football. Boomer Esiason has my favorite hot take of 2020. I think it's brilliant. I think it's really, really stupid. And anyone that buys into it uh, might be a little loose upstairs. I'll tell you why it's dumb coming up next. I love a good hot take. I can't wait for this. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up.
Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. So Dave Carney, who hosts the morning show, uh, he's doing a best of on Friday morning. Do you think I'll make the cut? Three hours. Do you think you think one of my interviews will make the cut? If not, me and Dave are gonna have some words. Dave, put me in your best of show on Friday. Just pick any one of our great interviews. They're all tens out of tens. Gold stars. I'll have to tune in on Friday morning. Dave Carney uh, kills it every day. I don't know how he has so much energy in the morning. Six to nine. Man's up at like 2 a.m. I love Colin Cowherd. I love Skip Bayless. I love Max Kellerman. I love hot take artists. Some people hate them. I think they're hilarious. If you're ever bored, I have some advice for you. If you're ever bored, go to YouTube and watch Skip Bayless clips, show clips, from Mondays after Cowboy Losses. It's gold. It's some of the best TV you will ever watch. Watching Skip Bayless melt down and twist arguments and, and, and twist the narrative so, so somehow it makes it sound like it was anybody else's fault other than the Cowboys that the Cowboys actually lost. It's brilliant. It's amazing. He's full of crap, but I love it. Hot take artists are full of crap, but sports, they're supposed to be entertaining. Right? Like sports are supposed to be entertaining. So appreciate the Skip Baylesses of the world. Appreciate the Colin Cowherds and the Mike Flores of the world because they're hilarious. And they put a lot of time into making sure they can spew crap every day on TV that's entertaining and that's creative. Now, this week, I found one of my favorite takes of 2020. This is brilliant. A take unlike any other. It's smart, it's creative, it's, it's edgy, it might even be borderline controversial. And Boomer Esiason, who owns this take, and I will share it with you in a second, he's being cautious because he's like, eh, I, okay, this is, a, this, is a, this is a fun take I got, but I got to be careful. I can't go too far with it. So this is Boomer Esiason on Boomer and Geo on CBS Sports Network saying, you know what? I think kids are getting COVID on purpose. Here's one other thing, and I don't I, – I got to be really careful, uh, careful here because I, I don't want to say that this is an accusation. I don't want to – I just – was thinking the other day about what what is going on <clears throat> with the SEC teams down south, and, and and Clemson included, who's obviously an ACC team. A lot of their players are coming down with COVID nineteen. Oddly enough, so are they well, trying to herd immunity their teams, so these guys can get sick now? as opposed to getting sick during the college football season, if, in fact, there is one. And I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't put it past any of those guys down there. Sure. I mean, that's one of the first things I said about Belichick. I said, I watched Belichick get his whole team sick, so when the season rolls around, everybody's been through it already. Like, he would be the guy that would do that. So, And that was I was saying that facetiously, but, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I I, I think it's going on. I, I honestly... The numbers coming out of like you know Alabama, LSU, and Clemson, all these teams, yeah, it is it's too much of a coincidence. Okay, so this is a brilliant take. This is very creative, edgy, maybe slightly controversial. Like it checks all the boxes for a perfect hot take. He didn't do a great job delivering. He kind of tripped over his words because I think he was like, "I better be careful how I say this." Because I, he, as he said, he doesn't want to be accusing anybody. He's just throwing out an idea. But I mean, that's a beautiful hot take. It's just so absurd that his co-hosts are like, huh, man, he might be right. Like, I might agree. It's patently absurd. It's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But Boomer Esiason put a pretty good spin on it. There's zero chance. 
and the other hosts who are on this show just sound stupid for agreeing. Like, it's something you can laugh about and be like, ah, oh, you never know. But like, the, but when you're like, you, you know what? I think you're right. This is like, okay, well, you're an idiot then. You're an idiot. Okay. And it's not, it's, they're not an idiot for the, the concept of the take. The concept is interesting, right? Boost your herd immunity before the season so you don't have to deal with an outbreak during the season. On paper, it's not the dumbest idea in the world. It's the fact that he thinks Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and Ed Orgeron would put themselves and their teams in this position. Think about those coaches. Ed Orgeron, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban. What do you think about when you think of those coaches? All of those coaches are legends. They're larger than life. They're worshipped in their own state. You go to Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban is, I mean, he's a god, right? He's, he's not a mortal. He's on another level. They're worshipped, right? They're on another level as coaches and as men and as human beings. They all have titles. Ed Orgeron just won his first. Dabo Sweeney has two. Nick Saban has five as head coaches. And all of them are making a ton of money. On their current deals, current deals, the three of them combined are set to make $188 million. That number's going to go up because, of course, it will over the next couple of years. $188 combined million on their current deals. They all have their titles. They got their money. They got their reputation and their legacy done. It's built in. It's cemented. But what is the one thing that can bring down a legendary coach? What could bring down Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney? Not losing seasons. If Nick Saban had three 500 seasons and decided to retire, no one would think less of him, right? Be like, all right, it's time. He wants to retire. He won five titles. He was a dominant head coach, one of the greatest of all time, right? If Nick Saban started not winning national titles, nobody would hate him. Nobody would knock him down. Nobody would rip his legacy apart. He'd just retire. What's the one thing that can bring down a legendary coach? Rick Pitino, Urban Meyer, Art Bryles, Bobby Knight, Joe Paterno. The list goes on and on because college athletics tend to get quite corrupt every now and then. The one thing that can bring down a legendary coach and destroy his legacy and tarnish his accomplishments, good old scandal. That's the one thing that can do it. Rick Pitino is one of the best basketball coaches on this earth. And teams still keep giving him chances. Smaller colleges or foreign teams, like somebody's just looking for a reason to hire Rick Pitino. But he's gotten in trouble so many times. He's gotten wrapped up in a scandal so many times that he's just, he's not touchable anymore. Urban Meyer, same thing. Art Bryles actually might be the most disgusting example of corruption and, and nasty stuff going on in college football when he was at Baylor. Bobby Knight, we all know Bobby Knight, and Joe Paterno, of course. Might, like that, the Penn State situation might actually rival what was going on at, at Baylor. Those are some disgusting, disgusting crimes that were committed. Scandals brought all of those coaches down. Not losing seasons, not losing good recruits, but scandals. Why would the coaches with the most to lose, Dabo Sweeney, Ed Orgeron, Nick Saban, Combined eight national championships and $188 million of current salary. Why would the coaches with the, with the most to lose, why would they risk losing it all? That makes no sense. Kirk Ferentz is going to have issues. The head coach at Iowa of this report of what Akram Wadley had to say and what was reported in ESPN about abuse and discrimination against black players in the Iowa football program. Kirk Ferentz is going to have issues. Yeah. What if it turns out Dabo Sweeney was purposefully infecting his kids and encouraging his kids to get infected with COVID-19? Oh my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? 
Dabo Sweeney, by all accounts, is a stand-up individual, a man of faith, and everybody loved him. He was a wide receiver coach when he was made head coach at Clemson. Most people didn't understand it. He's that kind of personality. Larger than life. Most head, co- head coaches at big schools like that are. Nick Saban, right, Ed Orgeron. They're just, they're larger than life. What if it turns out that Dabo Sweeney was encouraging his players to pass around COVID-19 like they're passing around a joint? What would the reaction be? It would be nuclear. It would turn the sporting world on its head. It would lead every show for a week. Parents would lose it. They would sue. It would be done for Dabo just like that. He's won two national championships and by all accounts has done everything right at Clemson. Everybody loves him. He'd be done just like that. The one thing that could do him in, a scandal. Boomer Esiason suggesting that three of the most successful head football coaches with the strongest legacies that have already been cemented who make tens of millions of dollars, those guys are going to just for, for fun, for giggles, they're just going to infect all their players with COVID-19. So when the season rolls around, a season, by the way, which we might not have, that the players will have already been infected, that makes zero sense. That makes no sense. And it's a fun, hot take. It's a fun idea to kick around until all the chuckleheads on CBS Sports Network start going, you know what? I think he's right. I think he's onto something. I, I bet that is going on. No, it's not. You kidding me? Sure, you have a, a college football coach in Wyoming or in New Mexico or in an FCS school. It's like, you know what? Let's try something. Let's... Let's take this herd immunity head on. Okay, maybe. It would still be outrageous and really, really dumb. But at least it would make more sense than Nick Saban, who, I mean, the rest of his life is a cruise. He's won his titles, got his money, everybody loves him, his legacy is cemented, and you think he wants to throw that all away? Because he wants to infect his players with COVID? Man, you should hire me at CBS Sports HQ or whatever their television station is that broadcasts. Boomer Esiason. Get me on there. You need hot takes like that. I'll give you hot takes. They just won't be dumb like multi-million dollar head coaches infecting their kids with a nasty disease. Man. Well, when we come back, I want to talk about NFL football. We've been talking about college. I want to talk about NFL football and some changes that were announced today about the preseason. Now, most people would love to see the preseason get shortened. Not to spoil, but they are cutting the first and the last game of the preseason. So only two preseason games this year, which makes sense. A lot of people would like to get rid of the preseason altogether. I'm actually going to take the unpopular stance, speaking of hot takes, and tell you why the preseason is important and why it's enjoyable. That's coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. As we go into the 4th of July weekend, don't forget, we have an awesome giveaway starting on Friday morning. Four-pack of tickets to the Lacrosse Speedway. You get to sit in the Lawn Keepers party deck, so you get your food, you get your drink. It'll be an awesome night and a fun activity to do while staying outside and staying socially distant. Sign-up starts on Friday. Friday, right before the weekend. Go to WKTYsports.com. Just click on Win Stuff. That's where you can get signed up. So we just talked about a huge hot take. Boomer Esiason thinking that Ed Orgeron and Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney purposefully getting their team infected so they can establish herd immunity and then they'll be good to go when the season rolls around, even though we might not have a season. And 
that would effectively ruin three really, really good careers. There's no reason that any of those coaches would have to risk something like that. And it's absurd. But it's an interesting hot take. How about a huge hot take of my own? Ready for this? I like the preseason. I hope they don't get rid of the preseason. Now, I don't expect you to agree. But hear me out. I think the preseason is really important. 30% of the NFL is undrafted. 30%. And that can ebb and flow from year to year. But 30% of the NFL, give or take from year to year, is undrafted. Made up of undrafted free agent players. Talked about Tremont Williams a lot yesterday. His story is incredible. Didn't start in college until his junior year. Was a walk-on at Louisiana Tech after he was going to be an electrical engineer. He played basketball in high school, only did track for one year and was a beast at it. Finished top three in the state in long jump, triple jump, high jump. His only spring doing track. He's a phenomenal athlete, just couldn't really figure out the path he wanted to take. Undrafted free agent in 2006, slowly but surely works his way up the Packers depth chart year by year. And in the Super Bowl run in 2010, had one of the best stretches a cornerback could have. Interceptions, pass breakups, tackles, fumble recoveries, touchdowns. He did it all. He did it all. Undrafted player. Jeff Janis, Taysom Hill, Joe Callahan, Jake Kumaro, Darius Shepard, all guys who showed up and surprised people in the preseason and earned spots on NFL rosters because of it. Without the preseason, that 30% of undrafted players that makes up the NFL, give or take, based on the year, they don't have a shot, they don't have a stage to prove themselves. And it becomes a lot harder for some of that talent, like Tremont Williams, or like Taysom Hill, or Jake Kumaro. It becomes harder for those players to make an impression, and to earn their way onto a roster. Jeff Janis was Mr. September. That's what people called him. And that's 100% meaningless, but it's awesome. And it gives an opportunity for players like Jeff Janis, who went to a Division II school, to impress NFL people and make a case for why he belongs on a team. Eliminating the preseason damages the most unique part of the NFL. The NBA, for example, I feel like 90% of the players that we know in the NBA we're lottery picks. We're top 20, top 15 picks. Now, there's only two rounds of the NBA draft, but there aren't a lot of undrafted guys playing at high levels, playing big minutes for contending teams. It's just not how it works. You know who's talented coming out of high school, going into college, and going into the NBA. The NFL couldn't be more different. You have guys from Louisiana Tech and Shippensburg and Alcorn State who ball out when they're given a chance as an undrafted free agent, and they make it, and they stick in the NFL for a long time. Eliminating the preseason damages the most unique part of the NFL, and the NFL this year is going to get rid of the first and the last preseason game, so the first and the fourth, which I understand, but the players who play in the first and the fourth preseason games aren't starters. They're not even borderline starters. They're undrafted free agents, and they're guys who... General managers are trying to get one last look at. Aaron Rodgers isn't playing in the first or the fourth preseason game. The second and the third, that's where all the starters play. Minimum reps. The first and the fourth are meant for the undrafted players. And they're going to have a tough road to hoe this year because they're not going to have that stage, that platform to showcase themselves. And to say the preseason isn't important is short-sighted. Just like Malcolm Jenkins last week saying, the NFL isn't essential. Short-sighted. Malcolm Jenkins has made $70 million dollars. He now is a paid contributor to CNN. Everybody knows who he is because of his time in the NFL. He's made his money. To say that once I've made it, Malcolm Jenkins, once I've made my money and I've got my platform, it's not essential. What about the dozens and dozens and hundreds of players that are trying to do the same thing that Malcolm Jenkins did? The NFL is awfully, awfully essential for them. 
say it's pretty unfair for Malcolm Jenkins to say after he's made all his money and enjoyed all his success to turn around and say, ah, football doesn't matter. We don't need to play it. Well, you don't need to play it. What about everybody else? I also don't understand why NFL fans are so excited that the preseason is being canceled. Oh, it's crappy football anyways. Really? I haven't watched sports since March 11th. You can shut your mouth. I'll take sports, football. I'll take whatever in any form I can get it. I don't care. If that means preseason NFL football, then I'll watch preseason NFL football. We are the definition of beggars right now as sports fans. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, I know I haven't watched sports since March 11th, but the preseason, hell no, I'm not watching that. Yes, you are. You sit your ass down on that couch. We're watching preseason football. Sit down, shut up, we're watching. You're going to enjoy it. And I can't wait for the NBA season to restart and for everybody to tune in and watch Bucks Magic like their life depended on it after a couple of weeks before saying, we need to reformat the playoffs. The Bucks and the Magic, that's just, that's just not good enough. That's not entertaining enough. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll take a couple months off from sports and then we'll see how you feel about that matchup, huh? See how you feel about the preseason when we get to August and it'll be, what, four, five, six months since we've had sports? Yeah, I think you'll take what you can get. The preseason has a unique vibe to it. Why am I, why am I vouching for the preseason right now? This is never a position I thought I'd find myself in. The preseason has a unique vibe. It's warm. It's sunny outside. Fans are at Lambeau in short sleeves, right? You can get even more drunk because you won't freeze to death. You can party out in the parking lot longer because the sun is up longer and you're not freezing to death. Summer nights with football. It's worlds colliding, right? We, are, we all get that football is played in November and December, but getting an extra game to listen to Wayne Larvey and the Packers Radio Network and get a first look at some draft picks and some fun, app, uh, fun undrafted free agents to watch and enjoy, sign me up. Sign me up for the preseason. And it's really important, and it's part of what makes the NFL unique. All the undrafted players who are allowed to fight for a roster spot and be contributors. 30% of the NFL is undrafted. If we take away the preseason, that number is going to drop, and now we're just, it's like the NBA. It's like any other college sport, or excuse me, sport where college players only at the highest level crack in and crack a roster and become contributors. It'd be a bummer. Never thought I'd be vouching for the preseason. What a weird time we're living in in 2020. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to Andy Herman from Cheesehead TV about Jordan Love, Jamal Williams. I want to ask him about Kingsley Kiki, too. All that coming up tomorrow. Wisco Sports Show, same time, same place. Talk to you then.